You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Missed you guys last week. We had um, had our first, first youth service last week, which was incredible. Um, I had the Sloans, Craig and Tara, and their family came down with us. We had it, uh, if you don't know, we, we rented one of the rooms down at Main Event. Uh, and to be kind of honest with you, I'd never done anything like that in a room that was made for arcade games and bowling. And so I was, I was a little bit nervous on uh, how that whole thing, hey, buddy, love you. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I, I want to be honest. Can I be a little bit vulnerable before I jump into a message this morning? I want to just kind of share my heart on, on youth because it's been probably the thing most burning on my heart the past few weeks and maybe the past month. Uh, and I felt sort of convicted about some language that I've had about it that uh, Chris and Terry caught but didn't have time to get to me about because the Lord corrected me on it first and then changed my heart in a real way that I just honestly didn't expect. Um, I'll, I'll share some testimonies and tell you tell you kind of some stuff that's going on with that. So uh, I was really nervous last week about this whole deal. Uh, number one, I didn't know how many kids we were going to have show up, which is you know, when you rent a space and you give a number and then you put an expectation on God to do something and meet that, it's like, oh, man, I wonder just how big my faith is in this thing. And so we get down there. Uh, Caleb Peters came and did worship for us, which is amazing. Uh, and so he's walking down the, the the strip here to help me go and set up. So we walk in main event, and the whole time my internal dialogue is, Lord, just I, I need something supernatural. Like, I just need you to show up. And so I walk into the office. Um, I say, hey, we're here. Just want to let you know we're here to, you know, set some stuff up. They they were very gracious with us. They let us in 30, 45 minutes before they opened, uh, which they don't normally do. And so that was already favor enough in itself. Uh, so they let us in. She says, yeah, I'll show you where it's supposed to be and all this kind of stuff. And she, you know, she checks things out and says, hey, you're good to go. If you need anything else from us, let us know. And I said, great. Hey, what's your name? She goes, hey, uh, my name's Faith. <laughs> oh, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so I'm sh- I'm literally shaking at this point because I'm like, okay, God, I got you. That's cool. Uh, and if you've ever been in that place, it's very loud. There's loud music and the lights are crazy because it's an arcade and it's cool and that's what kids like, I guess. It stresses me out. Uh, but we walk in there and all the power's off because they haven't opened yet. And then about 10 minutes before uh, we get started at 11, they turn the power on. And we're in one of these side rooms where there's a massive TV on the wall and all this kind of stuff. And if the power comes on, the TV comes on. And you cannot make this stuff up. The TV comes on to Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel, live at their service, and he's preaching the gospel message for salvation for people to come up and receive Jesus. And we're at an arcade for them to do worship. What? <laughs> I, I literally sat down. I, I couldn't stand up. I was so weak because I... It wasn't that I was experienced. It was that I was experiencing the power of God. Don't don't mistake that. But it was the fact that I had asked for a sign. I've literally prayed, God, I need you to show up. And it was such a literal manifestation that I I could not believe it. I don't think I've experienced God in that way in years. Just being very honest, I, I lived in worship world and, and house of prayer world for a long time, and I've I've been in a lot of services and had a lot of encounters, but I've never had the Lord meet a need so literally that it shook me. 
And so I just want to encourage you, number one, that when you ask, he will meet the need. And if I don't say anything else here of value this morning, I hope you get that. Because a a full-time ministry, full-time pastor is up here telling you that I have not in maybe more than 10 years seen God do something so literal and in my face that it got my attention and it shook my faith. And it caused me to repent. We got up here that morning in Vision Sunday and I sat down and without even planning to say it, I said, oh, I'm not, not actually a youth pastor. And then I realized last week that, oh, I've been given a responsibility, but I've also been given the grace to do it. When God gives grace to do it, that means that you have the freedom to do it without the work and the stress and the worry. And in a way, I'd taken the responsibility and the position and stepped out of it because I thought I'm not qualified when I had the grace to step into that role. And so I'm, I'm standing here, number one, to encourage your faith to say, hey, if you ask, you will receive. And it may not be Jensen Franklin popping up on a TV in an arcade because that's kind of nuts. But I want us, in this testimony, let's, let's increase our faith this morning. This was something that the disciples would pray to Jesus, Lord, give us more faith. And I don't do, we don't do that enough. I don't do that enough. And I felt so convicted in a good way, Holy Spirit conviction that, man, I have been so complacent in my faith. All I have to do is ask. So I want to say a couple things. Number one, I love parents with teenagers. I love your kids. I love your kids because, number one, they're unique and special, and they carry a unique gifting that this world needs. And we have, I have the responsibility to help shape the way that they think, act, and believe. That's you, leader right here, next generation leader on this front row. Every time I look at you, you're the next us. And I believe in you. And I'm sorry to each teenager and every parent in this room for not believing that I had the authority or the grace to call them up higher. That is my responsibility. And that is our responsibility to think about this next generation and how they're going to believe in a world that is basically godless. Has anyone seen the statue in New York that they put up the, in, in honor of abortion? A golden, a golden statue, an idol, as if we don't know what happened with Moses, as if we don't know what has happened in every single situation in the Bible. We've got a whole generation of young people that are worshiping idols. And it's our responsibility as adults, as believers, to help shape the way that this next generation believes about God. And so I'm saying this morning as a personal declaration of faith and commitment to this house that I am dedicated to help raising up this next generation of leaders. Man, preach. All right, well, let's stand. Uh, let's get the ministry team. I'm kidding. No, we're not going to end. That's not the message. That's not it. That wasn't it. It should be, yeah. Yeah, mic drop moment. Uh, was that okay? I, I know we went real deep real quick. But I, I just want to say I love you. I love this house. I, I cannot tell you how many opportunities and how many cool things 
uh, that I could be doing on big platforms and national places. And that's not a flex of anything that I can do. It's literally just the grace of God and the goodness of God that I could be in Afghanistan or Iraq right now helping build a refugee community that loves to do worship. But instead, I love, I love, I love, and I firmly believe that the local church is the answer, not the only answer, but is a primary way that God wants to release his kingdom in the earth. And I am proud to be a part of that solution, and you should be too, because it's not just this platform that releases the solutions, but it is his family that does that. Woo! Okay. Preach. Okay. I'm feeling it. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, I'm really excited about this morning. I'm, I'm even more excited about next week, and I know I already plugged uh, my friend Matthew that's going to be here. Um, Matthew is one of the few people at his level who's been a national leader, global leader, that chose to believe in me when I had zero qualifications and zero experience that anybody had known about to give me a position as a local leader, as a national leader, to run a ministry school where I had absolutely no experience. Uh, and so Matthew is going to come and preach next week, and this is something I want to kind of tee up for him so that when he gets here, we have a chance to really listen from a, a father who's been in the movement for a long time. Uh, he's going to be teaching on worship and prayer. Uh, I don't know what specifically, but we talked about it on the phone this weekend. It's going to be good. Uh, but I want to help start this conversation and tee this thing up about building a culture uh, of worship and prayer, specifically prayer. And more than that, it's one thing to be a culture of it. It's another thing to be a people of prayer. It's one thing to be a culture of prayer or be in a culture of prayer. It's another thing to be a people of prayer. You catch that? Uh, I, I firmly believe that, number one, I, last time I was up here, I talked about the prayer movement and how God was remarrying and recombining the prayer movement, which has been a, a national global thing that's been disconnected from the house of the Lord, the local church, and remarrying that back to the local church. One of the biggest regional signs, I think, that happened in recent years was IHOP, uh, inter not the Pancake House, stay with me, International House of Prayer, Atlanta, which is Billy Humphreys, that whole crew there, they've been going for 14 plus years nonstop, worship and prayer. Does anybody know that? Did you, did you know that? Incredible place. I actually served there for a long time, two or three years in a row. Just going at midnight, 12 a.m., or, yeah, to 2 a.m. and leading the night watch, some of the best worship that I've ever personally been a part of. A few years ago, they decided that they would take the, the house of prayer that they had built and marry not just that function of prayer and worship, but the leadership of it to the local church that they were partnered with, which is very abnormal that they would take this nonprofit organization, this house of prayer, this place that's dedicated to ministering to the Lord, and put it inside the local church. How many places do you know do that? Very, very few expressions like that in the earth. And so I began to go, man, I, I feel this is prophetic. I think God is doing something in this. And sure enough, the six to eight months that followed that, words began to, began to come out of that house from Billy, but also from regional leaders like Lou Engel, uh, who said, God's calling the house of prayer back to the house of God. And I firmly believe that now. So I feel like one of the calls that this house has, has on it, and we've talked about this in Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, is that one of the three pillars 
uh, the three P's, we have uh, presence, we have prophetic, and then we have prayer. Do you know that you are a house of prayer? This, this is a house of prayer, but more than that, Jake Bullard is a house of prayer. I am a house of prayer. Wherever I walk outside these doors, I am a house of prayer. Before Jesus, we had the tabernacles and we had you know, this, the, the places of prayer. When Jesus died on the cross and tore the veil, you and I became that. How did that happen? He put his spirit in us. That means that the kingly and the priestly ministry that was on David and then Jesus is now on us. Well, what is a kingly and a priestly ministry? That means that we are one part kings, rulers in the earth. We have authority in the earth through Jesus. Number two, we are also priests. Well, what does that mean? That means that we are the carriers of the presence. And the, the weight of the identity of David and why it was significant that he was of the lineage of Jesus is that David carried both before Jesus ever came on the scene. He had to have the capacity to rule and reign, but also to carry the manifestation of God, the full weight of the glory of God. Now that he has this, we don't need the ark, we have it here. That means that I can walk in peace and authority and full of the presence of God in Walmart. And not die. <laughs> and not fall out because it was too weighty. And that is the call on you and me. Is anybody excited about this? Because this, this no longer means that when I walk in here and I stand here and worship, this is good, right? Well, I have the presence of God and I'm around the people of God. But the good news is, is that when I walk out those doors, nothing changes. Nothing changes. There's no downgrade in authority, and there's no downgrade in presence. Another thing that has riddled the church in terms of prayer and ministering to God is that we've been sin conscious about it. This isn't even my message. What am I preaching right now? <sighs> when someone says that you're no longer sin conscious... Then you go, well, what am I going to talk to God about? <laughs> uh, how many have come from a church in a background, thankfully this isn't us, amen, praise God, that we come to church and there's an altar call and the pastor leads us through a prayer of forgiveness of sin. Totally legal prayer, but to do that every single week with no inward change, something is wrong. And so, if I'm no longer sin conscious, then what am I going to pray about? <laughs> and you might even ask, well, how am I, Brother Stephen, how am I sin conscious? What does that mean? Well, how, am I, how am I doing that? Every time you remind God what he died and paid to forget. Father God, I just come to you and I repent today for cussing out the lady in the, the left-hand lane. <laughs> Jesus testing my faith. 
God, I'm sorry for acting like an idiot in high school. I'm sorry for drinking last weekend. Oh, God, I didn't say that. (sighs) I'm so sorry for the way that I thought about. And he's like, why? You're forgiven. Why are we still talking about this? Why are we stuck now for months and years on this cycle of sin that I died to forget? And then the conversation shifts from, oh, woe is me, to, oh, you're holy. Now the focus is no longer the filth that I believe that I've been in, but the beauty of the man Jesus. And once we get there, that's the only place that we ever stay in prayer. I cannot tell you how complicated People have tried to make prayer, even in asking me about it. Well, how do you, how long do you pray? What are some good prayer resources? I don't know. I'm sure I could Amazon link you a really good book. But I can guarantee you this, that if you get in front of his face, get alone with him. And just look at the beauty of the man that died for us to be spotless, clean, purified, and holy. To be righteous. That revelation alone is enough for me to understand what to say back to him. I don't need a 30-minute seminar on how to pray anymore. Everything changes with, with, with encountering him. Do you, do you hear me this morning? And I'm not here to get rid of any practical teaching and application or activate. I love all that stuff. I am am an activation junkie. Whatever I can give you or get to you to equip you to be stronger in your faith and to understand who you are in Christ Jesus, I think all that stuff is awesome. But if you can just get alone with him and get in the Bible. I wish I had a Bible. I, I don't know why I don't have my physical one with me, Jesus. I know. It's all this was for nothing. Sinner, yeah, that's me. Yeah, we just talked about this, Jake. Come on, pay attention. No more sin consciousness, okay? But if we can understand what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us, the cross is not another item on the list that we thank God for. Now, I'm very thankful for Jesus on the cross and the resurrection, don't get me wrong. But it's not just the thing that we're thankful for. It is the lens in which we begin to understand the worth and the beauty of him. It's the way that we see him. I'm just having a really hard time, you know, worshiping today, and I'm really having a hard time praying. Have you thought about the cross? Put your mind on that. Think about the sacrifice of Jesus. Think about the power of him to then get it back up out of the grave. If you're discouraged after that, you, something's wrong. Come talk to me. <laughs> Is this okay? All right, let's keep going then. I want to talk. Uh, no, no message is good unless it's got some points. So I've got three really awesome points that I want to hit. Amen. Uh, well number one we just talked about all this I've spoiled my entire message why do we pray well number one we pray because Jesus is worthy 
Uh, more than that, we exist because He's worthy. He was crucified before the foundation of the world, which means that my value didn't begin at the crucifixion of Jesus. It began before the foundation of the world. Which means that I'm getting, woe is me, oh pitiful me, again, sin consciousness uh, about my life before Jesus. My life in Jesus began before the foundation of the world. (laughs) Uh, We exist because he's worthy. Nothing more, nothing less. And that fuels intimacy. That fuels the place of prayer. That gives us a reason to worship. When we show up here, I don't go, man, I wonder what God's going to do today. I don't have to wonder. I show up here to give him glory, to give him back what he already gave me and you. All right, let me get to my points. I'm going to sit here and ramble all day. Number one, I want to talk about building a culture of prayer or becoming a people of prayer more than that. Say, I'm becoming a person of prayer. Come on. All right, number one. Uh, I've got some reasons and some scripture here I want to dig into just to give you guys some biblical context uh, for what it means uh, to build a culture of prayer. Number one, why do we do it? Jesus prescribed it and is zealous for it. All right, let's dig into some scripture. Matthew 21, uh, verses 12 through 13. Let's read some of this together. Read read just read along with me. Matthew twenty one. If you're if you're there, say I'm there. Come on, y'all. All right. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. We love to harp on this Bible verse, this scripture. We think it's ha-ha funny. Jesus gets mad, and he very calmly, and some people even say very pathologically, walks over, and he grabs some material and makes a whip very calmly very strangely, and begins to drive them out in anger, in frustration. Why is he angry? The man that has been calm and meek and humble and sweet in anger begins to craft a, a whip, a weapon, and drives them out. What's going on? He is reordering and restructuring the house of God. He is bringing divine order. This isn't just a natural situation. This is supernatural more than it is anything. Jesus is setting the precedent and restructuring and modeling what God's house is supposed to be like, which is to minister to Him. Even before the cross, He's showing them this place isn't about your money, it isn't about your income. It isn't about commerce. It's not about buy, sell, trade, which 
if we're being honest, the Western church has kind of been about for a long time. And he drives them out and says, my house is a house of prayer. And I think the most interesting thing that follows verse 13 is verse 14. And it says, did I put this in here? I probably didn't edit the notes. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The house of prayer is not a place of activity where we are doing worship and we are praying. It is that, but it brings the supernatural. Bill shared a testimony on the way to the bathroom after worship a while ago. Bill goes, hey, my knee got healed in worship. My My knee got healed in worship. Nobody prayed for him completely healed, torn meniscus issues and stuff. He's like, it's healed. How does that happen? How, how does that, how is that possible? Nobody laid hands on him. He didn't walk through anybody's shadow. Well, I don't think he did. It, uh, maybe. <laughs> but I like to think that because the divine order in the structure of this house, which is to minister to God, was the, was the catalyst, was the perfect environment for the miracles to follow in vo- verse 14. And the blind and the lame, lame came to him, and they were healed, which followed, my house will be a house of prayer. And this is the kind of divine order that Jesus is setting in verse 13. When he's driving people out, he's creating an environment and a model and a structure that we now benefit from, that when we come in here and we love on God, we get something in return too. And now we no longer have to beg. Now we no longer have to remind God of how bad we were before. Now we, when we love on Him and adore Him, the presence comes and then we're healed. Nobody had to coach Him on how to get His knee healed. <laughs> We didn't have to have a next steps class on, okay, now you've been in worship. Let's talk about how to get that knee fixed. When you are in an environment where the house of God is in in right order that Jesus prescribed to be, that's where miracles come. That's where breakthrough comes. Amen? All right, let me move on. I'm running out of time. Number two, a culture of prayer is what the Father and the Son practice. A culture of prayer is what the Father and the Son practice and always have been practicing for all of eternity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some scriptures out. Scott, if you want to follow these or Melissa, you want to follow these quick, I'm just going gonna, gonna to spitfire. Here we go. Uh, just for just some biblical context on some of these, I'm not going to deep dive into all of them, uh, but I do want to kind of throw them out here for you. First one is John 1, uh, verse 1 through 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Number one, the Father and the Son have always been in an exchange with one another. What, is, what do we talk about when we're talking about prayer? Oh, it's just talking to God. Well, what have Jesus and the Father been doing for all, all of eternity? They've been talking. They've been talking. They've been, they have been, in a way, praying, communing with one, one another for all of eternity. Woo! Let's look at uh, Luke 6, verse 12. Uh, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, 
and continued all night in prayer to God. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Even in the earth, Jesus has communion with God. And if you read the Gospels enough, he probably spent more time in prayer than he did anything else. The disciples thought he was weird at first because he would leave fun dinners and gatherings and go walk in the wilderness and spend all night in prayer. And they'd be like, well, where's Jesus? Oh, he's probably out praying somewhere. I don't know. But what is this hunger in Jesus to be alone in secret with the Father? It was where he's always been. Before the world was even formed, he's in secret in nothing with the Father, praying to one another. Father, Son, and Spirit together in one. Mark 1 verse 35 says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary uh, place where he prayed. Again, Jesus is getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning going to pray. Anybody relate to that? (laughs) Be honest. Five? That's close enough. That's probably okay. You, You got work to do. It's okay, Pastor Chris. You'll get there. I love you. Oh, that felt good. Uh, I'm going to get scolded later. Here we go. All right, let's move on. Uh, Psalm 2, 8. This is the last verse on this that I'm going to stay on. Psalm 2, verse 8. This is a big one for me, and I want us to, to get this here. Psalm 2, verse 8 says this. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. I talked about this when I was talking about youth this morning and sharing that testimony. Ask me whatever you whatever it is, whatever you need, and it's yours. The word inheritance implies that it was already mine. <laughs> if I have an inheritance from my father, that means before I was even old enough put two brain cells together to form a thought that it was predestined that it would belong to me. That when I become of right age and stature, it would be given. And here he says, just ask of me, and it's yours. Again, no begging. God, please, I really, man, I really just want this job. God, I've been really praying for a place in ministry, for a platform, not for my own gain, but to give you glory, to really see your kingdom released in the earth. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Fill in the blank with nations. Now, hear me. This isn't a blank check to just go, I'll I'll take, (laughs) I got a Range Rover on the lot down the street, $80,000, God, come on. Will you make uh, that Range Rover my inheritance? Come on. This isn't about earthly possessions. This is about the thing that God has set on his heart to be yours. God, what what is it that you, what is my inheritance? What is that? God, and even praying that, Father, I thank you that before I was even coherent enough to think that you set the nations of the world as my inheritance. Father, I ask that you would put character in me to receive that wealth. And when you begin to ask like that, asking from the place of the will of God, 
Not my own desire, not what I want, because I want some stuff, and it's probably not the Lord. I'm just being real. But the more I spend time with him, and the more he teaches me to pray like that, that's where authority happens. That's, That's the hidden place in God where he begins to build character. Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your inheritance. What a bold statement. The nations. Bold faith, bold faith. All right, number three, I'm almost done. A culture of prayer, this is the big one, a culture of prayer centers around the person of Jesus instead of programs. A culture of prayer centers around the person of Jesus, not programs. That means that this and this has no value unless he's the primary focus. Let's read together Revelation 4, verse 6. Jesus. Revelation 4, verse 6. Revelation 4 is one of my favorite Bible verses. And I know people are scared of Revelation, but it's okay. (laughs) It's okay to be scared. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I'm going to read this. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Scary. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. What in the world is going on in heaven? Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes around and under, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was past and is present and is to come, future, was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures, this is verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne and say, for you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. How many know that no one in heaven is being persuaded to worship him? There is not a prayer meeting in heaven. There is not, Lord Jesus, help me. There is not a single worship night in heaven. There is not a small group gathering in heaven. (laughs) There are no events in heaven. No programs. No order of service. That stresses me out. (laughs) Just being real here. Uh, Planning Center is my best friend. Amen. Every worship leader in here said, thank you, Jesus. Okay. There are no programs in heaven. Why? There's no need. There is one man 
on the throne. His name is Jesus. And here's the beauty of this that I love the most. I talked about this Tuesday night at Young Adults. I love the, the, the description of the, the, the creatures, the four living creatures, is that, number one, they were created by God, and they have eyes all over their body. They're covered in eyes. Why? So they can see who? Him. Jesus. It is very intentional, I think, that in this statement, no one is directing them to worship him. No one had to grab a microphone. All right, everybody stand up. Turn around, let's look at him. And we're going to do that for a couple hundred years. (laughs) I don't know, maybe. Thousands, ten thousands. And then we're going to see what happens after that. Nobody had to command any angels. No, nobody's directing anything. Why? They were given eyes to see. And their response is holy, holy, holy. And they have been doing that forever. Nobody had to persuade them to declare the beauty of him. They just had to have eyes to see him. Are you catching this? Because this is the requirement of becoming a house of prayer. No program can give me a grid for how I'm supposed to act and behave. And this is very comfortable. Even when we show up here, we know what to expect. We usually know how to expect it. And in that, God moves powerfully. Worship is always good. Because the person we worship is always good. Don't mistake me. I love the local church. I have given my entire life and given up everything else for this. I'm convinced that this is the answer. But there's an expression of it that I think is required that Jesus sets a standard of that this is my house of prayer. I just don't feel like worshiping today. Why? What's your alone time like? Are you spending time with him? Have you asked him to show his face to you? Thank you for singing that this morning, by the way. Show me your face, Lord. Show me your face. That's why we're here. It's not about programs. This won't satisfy. This Right here is like the bumper guards at the bowling alley. (laughs) It's hard to mess up. Ask us. We know. (laughs) It's it's hard because we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I've been I've been doing ministry for a long time. I'm I'm 30. I just turned 30 in November. I've been doing this since I was 10. A long, a stupid amount of time. But I am convinced that even though this imperfect model, it's so hard to miss him. And if we will just show up with a little bit of intent every time we gather here, every time we go to a worship night, every time we go to a prayer meeting, already having been with him, 
it'll begin to change everything. More than I want to see double the amount of people in this room, I would love to see every single person in this room with a, a proper revelation and an understanding of the worth and the value of who he is. That's where you see world changers emerge. You sure are quiet. Are, are, are you feeling, is this okay? Are you, are you encouraged? I know this is a very intense word, but I want us to understand that this is what you and I are called to. Oh, I prayed for this lady on the street the other day. That's all well and good, and I'm glad you did, and I hope that she begins to encounter the presence of God. But uh, how much time are you spending with him alone? What's your, what's your secret place like? If you'll begin to ask him, God, show me your faith. I, I, need, uh, I need to see you rightly. That's not just a good song lyric or a Bible verse. If we can see him for who he is, it completely changes who we are and how we behave. And I'm not showing up here with my problems. I'm showing up here with solutions. Hello? <laughs> We're called to be salt, light, and leaven. Not be the burden of the leaders in this room. You can come here with your problems, that's fine. But if Jesus is worthy, doesn't play, take the first place, then we've got an issue. I don't want to be at the end of the whip that Jesus crafts to put me back in order. And hear me, that's not punishment, that's pruning. But there's a divine order that Jesus has set for this house, for every house, for every local expression of the Big C Church, the Ecclesia, me and you together, that he says, you're not just called to do programs. You're called to minister to me. And from that place, the blind will see, the lepers will be healed, etc. So on, so forth. Is this okay? Let's do this. Let's stand together. I want us to take a couple minutes to pray. Could we do, I didn't plan this. Can we do a, a little group activation? Can we just break off in groups of three or four just, or just grab the person next to you? I want us to pray for each other this morning. And I don't want you to pray, Here, here's what we're going to do, listen, and then I'm going to set you free, and then I, I really want you to just really receive what God's doing in the room. But I want us to begin to pray for each other and for ourselves for a revelation of the beauty of Jesus. How simple. I, I don't want us right now, we can do ministry time later, I don't want us to do any asking for healing, any of that stuff. I simply want us together as a family to begin to ask the Lord for each other for an encounter with his face this morning. More than I want us to leave here with a feel-good message, I want us to leave here transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we do that? So I'm going to pray, and then I want you to begin to pray out loud and pray with power and authority that you already have for each other to encounter him. You ready? Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for your presence that is not only on us, but in us, around us, and through us. I thank you for that same presence that is increasing in this room right now. Come on, just begin to pray out loud along with me. Father, I thank you for the revelation of the cross of Jesus. And I say and declare right now that it was enough 
the blood was enough. God, I thank you for the power of the resurrection that lives in us. It was not just an event in time. It is a present tense reality in me and you. So, God, I thank you that you're giving each one of us a revelation of the resurrection that gives us hope, that gives us an understanding of your power and of your goodness, that death is not the end. In Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to pray for one another right now. God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us a revelation of the beauty of your face right now in this room. God, I thank you that you're making each one of us into a house of prayer. God, I break off the mentality that programs are the answer. God, I thank you that you have designed people to be the answer, that kingdom family is the response. Yes, God, we lay it all down to you this morning. Come on, just begin to pray right now for one another. God, we bless you. Father, we bless you.